So with those six cases now confirmed here in South Korea, 367 Korean nationals from Wuhan, the epicenter of this pandemic, have now arrived at Gimpo Airport as of 8am this morning. But they are not simply going to be wandering around loose. They will be held in two makeshift shelters in Asan, uh, which is 86 kilometres south of Seoul, and Jincheon, 90 kilometres south of the capital. I would hope that it wouldn't matter if it was one kilometre or a hundred, frankly, uh, given that they will be isolated and they'll stay there for two weeks. Uh, the majority will be in Asan um, and 173 in Jincheon, by the way, according to the uh, Interior Ministry. Um, we do have the opportunity now to cross live to Beijing, though. Jonathan Cheng, the Wall Street Journal's China Bureau chief, is there. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. I'm sure it's a very busy period for you. Yeah, it is, but uh, my pleasure to be here. Uh, It was interesting that the new Chinese ambassador to South Korea, Xing Haiming, arrived in Seoul wearing a mask yesterday and when asked about his stance on the evacuation of Korean nationals from Wuhan, responded that he would make necessary efforts and obviously things were concluded very quickly um, after an initial delay. So what do you make of uh, the claim that Beijing gave its approval later than expected uh, with comparisons um, perhaps of a slower response than what we saw with US and Japan? Yeah, I think that's going to be a question that will be scrutinized. I think for many months, people are going to look back at uh, when exactly uh, not only local officials in Wuhan and in Hubei province, but also in Beijing, how, how early did they know that things were, were getting quite serious, that this wasn't just an ordinary flu or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, right now there's still a lot of unanswered questions. We know that it emerged in December at some point. There are uh, reports that the first uh, case was, was known as early as December 8th or December 1st or December. There are all sorts of different dates being thrown around. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's a real question because people weren't wearing masks. People weren't really aware uh, in the general public of how serious this might be, probably until the middle of January. And of course, there's always got to be some lag time. I mean, we don't know right away that this is going to be very deadly. But, uh, but but that will be a question that I think people will be thinking about and asking questions about for many weeks and months. Yeah. Now, in, in terms of the uh, response here, we've, we've seen Taiwan also um, in, in the headlines. China doesn't recognize Taiwan as a separate country, and that's caused problems because um, China's refused uh, Taiwan's evacuation request. That that could come back to haunt quite a few people later. Yeah, that's right. And Taiwan has long complained that it's not a member of the WHO, the World Health Organization, because Beijing, the People's Republic of China, doesn't want Taiwan in there. And that that's partly just a uh, a matter of politics. The People's Republic doesn't recognize the government in Taiwan. They see Taiwan as a part of its own territory, and the government there is illegitimate. So, um, you know, that, that that's all well and good when it's about the Olympics or it's about, you know, uh, things like that, which are relatively innocuous or benign. But uh, the Taiwan argument here is when you keep us out of the WHO, it makes it harder for global health authorities to coordinate an effective response if we're not even given a seat at the table. And so there's a back and forth there, a little political sideshow. But definitely, this, this, this definitely matters. I think we're now up to close to 10 cases in Taiwan. And of course, there's really deep economic and cultural ties between both Taiwan and mainland China. So this is, a, this is a, certainly something to watch. Yes. I just want to get your thoughts on how to report this in the media with so many concerns about creating unnecessary panic and even spreading 
fake news. What's your advice for people when they see information like you will be seeing information online? We're now getting reports that it's more than 9,000 cases, uh, but the estimates vary from 9,066 to 9,171. We get reports of 213 deaths at this point. But all of those deaths are reported in China. We've got more than 100 cases outside of China with no deaths reported, which raises questions as to um, why those deaths are concentrated in China at this point. These kinds of big questions as a journalist rather than a medical expert are not easy to answer. But you've got the job of reporting on this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in some cases, I would rather be slow in a certain sense. I mean, journalists, we want to be fast, but we don't want to be fast at the cost of accuracy. Um, And certainly once something is out there and it's circulating, whether or not it's true or not, it will take on a life of its own. And we do have to be very careful about that. Um, There are a lot of voices out there. I mean, obviously, we pay close attention to what the WHO says to what uh, the Beijing government says, it doesn't mean that we believe everything that they say uncritically, um, but obviously what they say has ramifications and is its own truth in a certain way. I mean, if China says, um, you know, that it needs to do X, Y, or, or Z, then we, we that's going to happen probably in China. Um, but there is a lot of rumor out there. There are a lot of um, tips. Uh, that are dubious uh, merit that are circulating on social media about, um, you know, whether you ought to do this or that, or you should avoid this place, or you should wear this kind of mask or that kind of mask. And it, 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 is, it is a very scary thing. And I think that's why you have this um, phenomenon happen. I mean, you have an absence of information. Everybody wants more answers than are available. And in the meantime, people will cling on to a lot of things that are just floating out there, whether they're true or not. So it is a really difficult task for us as journalists, that's for sure. And and of course, one of the things that people are concerned about would be the threat of death. And, and, And that's what no doubt is causing even here in Korea, where we've been just barely affected. Many parents are getting their kids to wear masks when they wouldn't even necessarily do that in very polluted conditions here. Um, But the uh, fatality rate varies massively. Like within Hubei province, the mortality rate is reported at about 1%. But Wuhan itself, 5.5%. And we've seen images of medical centres filled with people and people not getting medical attention straight away. So it does suggest a very strong link between medical care and the death rate rather than just saying this virus itself is responsible for this number? Well, that's hard to say, too, at this point, just because we don't know how many cases there are in Wuhan. I mean, um, we know that uh, that's obviously the epicenter, um, whether or not it's the wet market or not there. I mean, that's the base case that everyone's been working off of. But in any case, it's certainly centered there. And so if the number of cases is actually much higher than what we think it is, then the mortality rate presumably would be lower just because you have a higher denominator there. But I think part of the problem is, you know, this question of how many people are, are sick with this. And you know, this is flu season. A lot of people are, are coming down with symptoms that look a lot like this. Many people will die because of the flu, not because of the coronavirus. Many of them are older. Many of them are already weak. Um, and it may not be a matter of a cover-up by the government. Uh, certainly, that's um, a popular theory, and, and it may very well be true, but we just don't know that to be the case. I mean, what we do know is that the doctors, as you say, are completely overwhelmed, and I think it's very difficult for them to have an accurate tally right now. And I think it's still going to be catch up for quite a while until we know exactly how 
you know, big of a scope we're dealing with here. And frankly, when I see scenes of medical centres in Wuhan, I, I have no idea when or where those videos were actually captured. It, it reminds right. me of the bushfires in Australia when there was a gas station explosion in Greece that was being used as an image apparently from Australia. Uh, it's, it's sort of shocking because the situation on the ground is bad enough without having to make stuff up. Um, yes, that's right. But but that's the age of social media that we live in. Mm. And it is, it is something that not only we in the media, but authorities have to deal with as well, because they need to take into, effect, into account what the effect is on public opinion, because that itself will become its own reality. Do you suspect, by the way, coming back to the political angle, do you suspect that, um, that the Xi government is involved at all in, in the WHO's decision-making when it comes to A, delaying the announcement of a world emergency, and B, even when doing so, stressing that China's response has been wonderful? You know, that's something that I don't have much insight into. I, you know, this is, uh, I mean, the WHO is in Geneva, um, and China's uh, ties to it, of course, uh, uh, stretch back far, far before this uh, crisis. Um, certainly a lot of people have been asking those sorts of questions. We ourselves are asking those sorts of questions. But uh, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, China is an important uh, player for any field, whether we're talking about health, whether we're talking about aviation, whether we're talking about, you know, trade in every respect. It's just the number of people that are there, the, the importance of the economy now. Um, and certainly if you're the WHO, you need to be working with China. You need to be getting access to China. And so I can imagine that part of the calculation in Geneva has got to be we want to make sure that we have China on our side. Now, your question is, is a good one because there's a limit to how far you want to go to make sure that you're keeping China happy. You don't want to go to such an extent that um, things get covered up or things get presented in only the way that China wants them to be presented, not perhaps in the best interest of public health. So that, that's a delicate balance that needs to be walked, but it's something that I don't have much clarity into right now, but it is yep. something that we're certainly looking at. And, and I, I appreciate you even attempting to answer it as the Wall Street Journal's China bureau chief in Beijing. Life could potentially be hard for a foreign correspondent who's uh, well, should we say, overly critical of the Chinese government. And we don't expect you to comment on, on, on that. Um, and, and we thank you very much at this difficult time for taking the, the moment here to speak with us. Jonathan Cheng. Thank you.